Well, the votes are in, they've all been counted, and the results are shocking. I was appalled, and actually I suspect some voter fraud, because surely this can't be right. But I read it on the websites of two reputable newspapers, so I guess I must accept it. The electorate has spoken, and their voice is clear. My vote went to the candidate who came in only sixth, so I am upset, and I'm disgusted by the moral decay of our nation. The question was more straightforward than many on ballot papers around the country this month, and it was simply this. Who is your favourite superhero? (laughs) And the winner was Batman. Give ignorant people the vote, and this is what they will do with it. I mean, he doesn't even have any superpowers. He's just a creepy rich guy who had a bad experience in childhood. But he does have a cool car, and I expect that influenced many shallow voters. Now, my candidate, uh, the superhero who, to any balanced, reasonable voter, has to be the greatest, who demands the title of superest superhero, is the original and the best, Superman. It must be. Who needs a cool car when you can fly faster than a speeding bullet? Who wants to be a billionaire, Bruce Lardy-Dar Wayne, when your resume includes saving the world multiple times? And when it comes to overcoming your psychological demons, okay, so young master Bruce saw his parents being murdered, but Cal L, for that is Clark Kent's real name, experienced his entire planet exploding. Holy trauma, Batman. I loved Superman. I had a collection of comics going back to the 1940s, and I devoured them. But there was one thing that drove me up the wall. Not literally, of course. I'm not Spider-Man. That anonymity thing. The man takes his glasses off, and no one recognises him. And I so badly wanted Lois to realise that Clark was the man of steel. Whenever he asked her to the ice cream parlour and she would turn him down because he was a bit, you know, nerdy, I would shout at my comic, tell her the truth! Take off your glasses, unbutton your shirt, let her see the big S on your chest. If only she knew who was asking her on a date. If only she could share his X-ray vision for one moment and see the red cape under the suit. If only she could gaze past the glasses and into the eyes of the saviour who hid there. I wish... I wish Pontius Pilate could also share that x-ray vision as he lounges on his judgment seat and looks Jesus up and down. If only he could peer past the demands of his job, the expectations of the crowd, and the lens of his own prejudice. 
somehow gaze through this humiliated prisoner, this broken man, this powerless victim, and behold God in disguise. Pilate fascinates me even more than Superman. Uneasy lies the head that wears a crown, and he's certainly uneasy. You can feel his conflict. His job is to keep order. As governor of the Roman province of Judea, he buys people's loyalty. He offers sweetness to the local puppet rulers. He manipulates the masses. He will do whatever it takes to ensure Caesar has a quiet life. These people, he knows, can be troublesome. Their brains are full of superstition and extremism. Uneasy lies the head that wears a crown. His ears on the street tell him there are whispers of insurrection. The people are restless. Resentment festers on street corners and back alleys. There's even talk that some self-declared king in the mould of the great David, who ruled from this city a thousand years before, is even now plotting to overthrow Caesar in this corner of the empire. Pilate receives hourly updates from his generals. What news of insurgents? He has no time for the petty squabbles about theology, rabbis arguing about how many angels can dance on a pinhead. He has order to keep, peace to impose, Rome's glory to preserve. In this comic book, Pilate is the mayor of Metropolis. His one burning passion is to stay in power, and to achieve that end, he must protect Caesar from anything that might cause him anxiety. So he snuffs out the merest spark of rebellion before it has a chance to ignite the city. And now, standing in front of him, is this Jesus. The religious leaders, the real Lex Luthers in this city, armed with parcels of kryptonite, accuse him of being a rebel, a rival, a usurper on a mission to overthrow Caesar. And this accusation demands that Pilate ask the question. So he barks it. Well, are you the king of the Jews? Cut to the chase, Pilate. And the scene is set for a confrontation the like of which has never been seen and will never be seen again. Two men, one all-powerful, one wretchedly weak, one with all authority, one with no defence, one wielding all political, military and commercial might, one with so little influence that even the people who called him friend have now abandoned him. Oh Jesus, tell the truth, take off your glasses, unbutton your shirt, let him see the big S on your chest. Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, or did others tell you about me? (laughs) Am I a Jew? Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you've done? My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is from another place. 
Yes, that's it, Jesus. Keep going. But you're still being a bit too subtle, too mysterious. Tell him straight who you are. And then maybe do some of those miracles to prove that you're God's son. Come on, Jesus. Take off the glasses. Unbutton the shirt. Why does God insist on coming into his world in disguise? Pilate looks into the countenance of innocence, the eyes of compassion, the complexion of grace, the very face of God, and he can't see it. It's not Pilate I'm frustrated with. He had a job to do. No, it's God that puzzles me. Why is God like some undercover boss who sneaks onto the shop floor disguised as the janitor? Come on, take off the glasses, unbutton the shirt. Can't you see that we need you to do some business around here? Don't you see the mess we're in? Show us your power like you did in days of old when you drowned people in the Red Sea, smote them with a sword and generally showed everyone who was boss. Those words fall off our tongues when evil flourishes. When innocent blood flows, when justice is denied and evil goes unpunished. Come on, Lord, take off the glasses, unbutton the shirt. It's then that Jesus, the ultimate undercover boss, draws alongside our agitated hearts and whispers so quietly that we can barely hear him above the anger and the clamour of terror. He breathes that same word he spoke to Pilate. My kingdom is not of this world. But his voice is almost impossible to discern because when we live in Pilate's world, we get used to his way of doing things. His way seems to be the natural way. We are so familiar with the words, the actions, the values of the kingdom of Pilate that the kingdom of God goes unnoticed. We may mistake it for weakness because the kingdom of God is not violent or coercive. We may mistake it for softness because the kingdom of God doesn't threaten or manipulate. We may mistake it for foolishness because the kingdom of God does not demand attention or push itself forward. The kingdom of Jesus is not of this world. It does not come through violence. It isn't born in strength. It isn't maintained by terror. It's not sustained by fear. It isn't energised by revenge. It's not served by human anger. Jesus stands on Pilate's pavement and showers his values around. Humility, self-giving, sacrificial passion. Think about who he is, God incarnate, laying down his life, refusing to defend himself against absurd charges. God's kingdom is born by the laying down of life. The kingship of Jesus is not demonstrated in flourishes of power and displays of might, but in the abject failure and utter powerlessness of the cross. 
Andrew Daughters wrote a poem that puts it well. What kind of kingdom has Jesus? No castle or palace has he. No congress or parliament sitting, deciding what laws there will be. Perhaps he has need of just two laws. Love God and your neighbour as well. To obey him is all that is needed, as all of the saintly can tell. He has neither army nor navy, no air force to guard the frontiers, to keep out the strangers unwanted and maintain the enemy's fears. Immigration he seems to encourage to some quite disreputable, like fishermen, publicans, sinners. To such he is hospitable. No currencies here with his picture, no coinage engraved with his name, and where are the posters and slogans proclaiming his power and fame? I see no trappings of kingship, no robes made of velvet and fur, no crown made of gold set with diamonds to befit our supreme arbiter. Jesus said that his kingdom was not what Pilate thought it had been. It was not of this world and its glory was not of the kind any had seen. For those of us here in his kingdom, there is one other thing we have known. Of all the kingdoms around in his lifetime, it's the only one left with a throne. How hard is it to look into the face of the persecuted king, the suffering king, the dying king, and accept that his weakness is his strength, his victimhood, his glory, his death, the way he overcomes evil and redeems the world. So what about you and me? How is your weakness this fine morning? Your kryptonite got you defeated, such that you don't think you can go on? How is your victimhood? Lex Luthor so overwhelmed you that you want to give in? Your grief so heavy that it feels like your planet has exploded? Behold the superman standing on Pilate's pavement, hiding his true identity, and learn this. Those who sow in tears will reap with joy. Those who choose the way of the cross experience the dawn of resurrection. And people who lay down their lives for God are handed them back, new and full. The pain of your rejection will be the source of your joy. The hurt of your wound, the way of your healing. The remedy to your powerlessness, the solution to our resentment, the resuscitation of our dream is the death of ourselves. We don't wear a cape under our clothes. Our shirts don't hide a big S. We will never save the world, but we know someone who has. As the followers of the powerless Son of God, we have nothing to fear from the vagaries of life because we know the end of this comic book. The empty tomb, the day of resurrection, and the life of our ultimate superhero. Amen.